everyone. Welcome to another episode of the V Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V Auto. Today, I'm delighted to have a special guest joining us at a special time. My special guest is Dale Pollock, founder of V Auto and executive vice president for Cox Automotive. And the special time refers to the fact that we are only two weeks away from the NADA 2022 convention in Las Vegas. This will give us the opportunity to talk about what Dale's looking forward to at NADA and some of the innovations from Viato that have been hitting the pages of automotive news and other industry press outlets recently. Dale, welcome to the program. Thank you, Lance. Always good to be with you. Indeed, indeed. Now, as I mentioned, we're a couple of weeks away from, from NADA. It's the first in-person event in two years. What's on your mind, Dale? First and foremost, Lance, I'm just excited to get back to NADA in person with a couple of years off due to the pandemic. It's really going to be good to see a lot of old friends and meet some new ones. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you like to spend a lot of time on the floor. That's the plan for this year, too? That's the plan. So what are some of the innovations uh, you're excited to share at NADA? You know, Lance, typically I try and bring a new innovation to the market at NADA every two to three years. This year, however, we're going to bring two very exciting innovations and game-changing innovations to the industry. One is called Global Acquisition System, and the other one is called Upside. Well, let's, let's talk about each of those individually, uh, Dale. What's the quick take on Global Acquisition? It's clear to everyone today that the greatest challenge of the dealer is not to sell cars, but to buy cars. And it's going to remain that way for a lot of reasons for the foreseeable future and, and literally for years to come. And dealers have already begun to adapt to this new reality by learning how to source cars from new channels of acquisition. You know, traditionally it's been primarily trade-ins and auctions, but in the recent times, dealers have learned how to um, access vehicles from consumers off the street, from their service department. Dealer trades have used vehicles, mm -hmm. actually. Um, more attention to lease returns. And, uh, the, you know, the, the basic problem is that these are, in, unfam relatively speaking, unfamiliar uh, channels to dealers. And presently, the uh, metrics of success are fairly non-existent. And without uh, measurement and metrics, it's impossible to improve. And to be clear, this represents the new frontier of competition for dealers going forward, their ability to efficiently and effectively access inventory. So let's talk about the metrics and measurement for a second, Dale. I, I've understood that, that dealers, you know, when it comes to trade-ins, they may look at the acquisition cost to market and look to book ratios as, as guides to, to know how well they're doing with, with taking in cars. So what are, are those the kind of metrics we're talking about as applied to the other channels? Well, it's certainly uh, some of them. So just, just to build on that point a little bit, you know, I think it's fair to say that every dealer knows what is a good win rate or what we call look to book rate on trade-ins and what's a decent acquisition cost to market. In other words, or investment score, how much you know they should properly pay for the vehicle upon its acquisition. But I don't think anybody has any idea as to what's a good win rate 
or good acquisition cost to market or investment score when they purchase vehicles from consumers off the street or in their service department. So, I mean, that, that's just one example of where, you know, metrics will begin to be surfaced against which we can manage for improvement. But, um, you know, when you think about sourcing vehicles, the, the metrics of measurement for the purpose of performance improvement really begin with how effective are we at, at sourcing vehicles, winning vehicles from the mm -hmm. various different markets at what acquisition costs to market. It's important to know what the average year and odometer of the vehicle sourced from those respective channels are. It's important to know at any given time what percentage of our inventory composition is represented by uh, vehicle sourced from various channels. And then ultimately, it's really important to know the, the sales performance, how quickly are the vehicles selling and, and their level of profitability source from each respective channel. So this new global acquisition system is for the first time gonna surface uh, visibility to all of those key metrics for which dealers can now uh, find very valuable insights of opportunities for improvement. Now, I understand that some dealers have been using this. What's been the feedback that you've heard, Dale, as they've come to understand some of the individual metric or the metrics as applied to specific channels? That's what's really exciting. Uh, it, it is displayed uh, graphically on a dashboard and as soon as dealers see this dashboard they intuitively uh, make the connection as to what it's telling them you know how effective they are in terms of acquiring and and stocking and selling vehicles in these various different cha uh, channels and then the other thing which I, I didn't mention is another thing that the global acquisition system does for the very first time is it allows a dealership to establish a strategy of acquisition. In other mm -hmm. words, what the dealership feels should be an ideal or appropriate amount of money to pay for a vehicle uh, by channel. And, and then uh, it, what it will do is every time somebody appraises a vehicle uh, in a given channel, it will give them a, a benchmark or a range of, of suggested uh, appraisal amounts. And that certainly doesn't mean that the appraiser can't go beyond that. There are absolutely legitimate reasons why an appraiser might see a need and necessity to work outside that range. But for the very first time, appraisers and buyers will be given uh, reference points starting and, and possibly, I don't want to say ending because it isn't necessarily ending, but, but sort of high and low reference points as to where their dealership says that they, they should uh, think about operating or try and operate in between. And, and let me just give you one example where this becomes very yeah. meaningful. And I think every, every dealer can relate to this. And that is the experience that we've all had where we're working a deal in the showroom and the customer wants a certain amount of money for the vehicle. And it's just simply beyond what we think we can justify paying. So we might not make the deal. And then very likely the next day, the used car buyer goes to the auction for the same car and pays even more money. So that's, you know, that's an indication that there just is no dealership strategy or reference point as to what they should pay and who's to say who's right and who's wrong. But for the very first time, we're going to have visibility uh, to those reference points and over time be able to sort of align performance uh, appraiser and buyer performance to the dealership strategy, which is certainly uh, going to be important to maintain profitability in a very, very technical, unforgiving market. 
Very interesting. So if I'm an appraiser who happens to be doing well in one channel or struggling perhaps in another, the man, my manager would be able to see that ostensibly and, and help me get better. Yeah. And, and either, you know, over time, either let's coach and train our buyers and appraisers to be more consistent to acquiring vehicles uh, on, on the dealership strategy, or alternatively, just change the strategy to meet the behavior. But today in these dealerships, uh, it's, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. Everybody's doing their own thing and it's all over the board. And that level of inconsistency of acquisition tendencies uh, uh, is, is just emblematic of inefficient operations and leaves money on the table at the end of the day. Very good. Well, let's talk about that second uh, innovation you mentioned, Dale, upside. So what is the problem that Upside's aiming to solve for dealers? Okay, this one is really exciting. Um, you know, every dealer over the course of 2020 and 2021 made more profit wholesaling vehicles than they ever have in the history of their business. Mm -hmm. But to be clear, all that profit they made wholesaling was not a result of doing something better or different. It was simply a consequence of an unprecedentedly long rise in wholesale values. And I don't know anyone who's ever seen a timeline where a car you buy today is worth more next month and even more next year. Yeah. Nor do I know anyone who believes that this era of e-wholesale profit is here to stay. I mean, it's simply not the new normal. So we have created a system that is going to change the wholesale industry, not overnight, but over time, that's absolutely going to uh, guarantee that dealers will have profitable outcomes on their wholesale business. Now, Dale, I've heard you say, you know, when looking back at the profitability that dealers made in wholesale in 2020 and 2021, that while it might have been record-breaking for them and unprecedented in some degree, to some degree, that they still left money on the table as they were wholesaling cars in that favorable environment. I'm curious, why might dealers have left money on the table? Yes, we know for sure that they left money on the table and it's money that they did not need to leave behind. So what we did is we studied a small number of very elite wholesalers that consistently get more money for their vehicles in the wholesale market than anyone else. And what we determine is that they do this by consistently applying four best practices, what we now refer to as the best practice playbook. And unless these four best practices are consistently applied, you'll never get the top dollar for a vehicle in the wholesale market. And it's true that some dealers attempt to employ one or two of these best practices, but it's virtually impossible for any dealer to employ them all. And this served as the inspiration and the vision for creating Upside. So uh, before we talk a little more about Upside specifically, what are the four best practices you just referenced there, Dale? Well, that's a great question. So the first best practice is to bring to auction a large critical mass or quantity of vehicles, which leads to the second best practice, and that is to sell them to a critical mass of highly interested and motivated buyers. What we've learned is that the best wholesalers curate the types of cars that run together so as to draw a large audience. Or put another way, they run the same types and 
kinds of cars together to make it highly easy and intriguing for interested buyers to find them all in one place. Mm-hmm. So the third best practice, and this is a really important one, is to sell every car the first time it runs without a reserve. You see, buyers can tell when vehicles in the lanes really aren't for sale because bids are not meeting minimum reserves. Mm-hmm. So every vehicle will be sold the first time without a reserve. And, and the fourth best practice relates to the reputation of the seller. It's proven that buyers will buy over and over again from sellers that, that demonstrate complete transparency about a vehicle's history and condition. And importantly, when a buyer is, is not satisfied, they'll do the right thing and they'll do it quickly and easily without the arduous process of the traditional uh, arbitration. Hmm. Okay. So upside tagline, Dale, is you take the upside, we take the risk. How does the solution fulfill on that promise? We will have dealers uh, using the Kelly, the KBB ICO, doing what we call an active inspection of the vehicle. In other words, a thorough inspection of the vehicle, entering the information into KBB ICO. KBB ICO will present a a value for the vehicle. And if the dealer is able to obtain the vehicle for that value, ready for this, we will guarantee them, guarantee them a minimum profit of $300 minimum. But here's the really impressive part. And then rather than somebody else taking that vehicle to auction, applying best practices and pocketing the upside, we're going to give the lion's share of the upside to the dealer. So they're going to have two guaranteed bites of the apple on these vehicles that they acquire from consumers. Interesting. And, and so that's the dealer making that money potentially, where, whereas in the past that it might have been break even or even a loss uh, as they tried to bring their vehicles to the wholesale market themselves. Um, but I guess, am I connecting the dots here correctly, Dale, that Upside is going to sell those vehicles on behalf of the dealers using those best practices. You got it. And those cars are going to bring more money at auction than if the dealer tried to rep them themselves. And certainly if they sold them to a wholesaler, who's going to put all the money that it brings at the auction using best practices in their pocket, the lion's share of that money is going to go into the dealers. So it really changes the game. And, uh, and guess what? Guess what happens if the vehicle brings less than the ICO number? Well, I was Upside just going to eat I was it. just going to ask that question, Bill. <laughs> who, who takes the hit? Yep, that, that, goes to, that goes to the tagline of Upside, which basically says you get the upside and we take the risk. So mm-hmm. the risk, it's going to be risk-free to the dealer, and it's strictly all Upside on their behalf. And, and, and let me tell you, put, put sort of a perspective on this. You know, there's a lot of dealers today for obvious reasons using instant cash offer as a buy center. Mm-hmm. But dealers often don't give consumers who have vehicles that they're not going to keep for retail as much attention as they do for those consumers who are selling vehicles that the dealer sees a retail future for. Mm-hmm. So, so now the dealer is going to turn their buy center into a money printing machine because every single car whether they intend to retail it or wholesale it, they can buy and be guaranteed a profit 
upfront of the, of the $300 and then the lion's share of what that vehicle is ultimately sold for when Upside reps it in the auction using those four best practices. So it's it's a win-win for the dealers and there's no downside loss to it. No downside risk, I should say. Bill, let me just drill into kind of a day-to-day uh, example related to that maybe. So if I'm if I'm looking at this vehicle that's come to me through through ICO, I've got my appraisal. Will I be able to then see? You mentioned you know like I'll, I'll, maybe if I look at the car right away, it's not it doesn't have a retail future. But am I going to see those numbers on cars that could go either way? My wholesale number from upside and my retail potential from say profit time. Absolutely, and it it goes to what what I speak about being called the best end user value. I mean, I've always advocated that dealers uh, have a a retail first uh, mindset. Um, But, you know, I I think over time that that retail first mindset has turned into a retail only. And what we've come to understand is that dealers have missed a lot of opportunity to acquire vehicles that they don't intend to retail but acquire them to put them into the wholesale market and using the best practices, these vehicles can almost always generate profit. And we're going to give the lion's share, as I said, of that profit uh, to the dealer. And should the vehicle sell for less, um, all that risk, all that potential loss is going to be absorbed by the upside system. Now, in it almost seems to- too good to be true, but it's, but it's actually not. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I think I think it'll be interesting to watch it prove itself uh, in the market too. Now, Dale, in addition to these innovations, uh, I you you've you've written a book. Uh, it's called Whole Truth: A Fresh Money Making Method to Wholesale, the most misunderstood side of your business. I understand the book inspired Upside. Um, if I'm a dealer who reads the book, what might I expect to learn from it? I took a really uh, candid look at the wholesale business. And as the title Whole Truth suggests, I revealed a lot of half-truths that are common in the industry pertaining to wholesale. And, And after sort of bringing those skeletons out of the closet, which often is painful to do, but mm-hmm. to, to bring them out of the closet and really examine, you know, why we we sometimes deceive ourselves and, and ignore some of the plain facts and the whole side, wholesale side of our business. You know, once we sort of examine what those issues uh, and challenges are, uh, what I really do is reconstruct a different approach to the wholesale business. And it's one that absolutely makes rational sense, mm. isn't necessarily you know, consistent with the way we've thought about or operated the wholesale side of our business in the past. But, but it, it's really a, a rethink of, of how we do the wholesale business. And the process of writing that book actually is what, as you mentioned, did lead me to the inspiration and the vision for creating a solution. Because it would be one thing for me just to describe a better way to do this business, but yeah. unless there's apps, you know, actually a method uh, for, for executing on that better way, it would just be an academic exercise. So I, I wanted it to be more than that. And that led to the creation of Upside. So we're, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to reveal this book at NADA. 
it, that's a, a, a nice little trifecta. And just to confirm then, so Whole Truth, the book, Upside, and Global Acquisition, those will all be featured at NADA in Vegas, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, Dale, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Lance. Always great to be with you. And all of you listening to the podcast, thank you. We look forward to seeing you in NADA. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.